Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. So now we come to step seven. Implement the new structure uh, pervasively and with humility. Um, Mark Lassar says, Chaos occurs when we become willing to change and make real efforts to do so. Since this is new ground, we don't know how to act or what to do. The old behaviors are gone and we haven't learned the new ones yet. Chaos is confusing, frightening, and painful. When you take step six seriously, it may make your life messier not cleaner for a little while. You may panic a little bit and say, "Ah, have I done the wrong thing? This is not getting better. This is bad. And I would simply say, no, you have not. Uh, Chaos, when we move from a fictional reality back into God's reality, there's a little bit of chaos happens when that fake world crashes. And, And that's to be predicted and understood. Uh, David Pallison, uh, he gives us some idea of how we measure progress. He says, going in the right direction in your struggle with sexual addiction means learning to fight your temptation to sin, learning to handle your guilt when you feel, and learning to understand and deal with the circumstances in which you are tempted. It, okay, there's lots of things that we're going to learn to help us understand what progress looks like. Only one of those things is the frequency of our sin. Uh, So we have seven measures here. One, decrease in frequency. That should be a sign that we're making progress. I sin less frequently. I repent more quickly. Who of us hasn't, with whatever our sin is, when we're trying to quit, we give in to that sin one time and it turns into a sin binge. Part of progress is repenting more quickly so we don't go on a sin binge. A change in the battleground. It changes from action to imagination, from behavior to heart. A greater sense of need for Christ's grace. Maturity does not make me less dependent upon God. That's sometimes where we get confused between our maturity in the home that we grew up in and our maturity with God. With our parents, maturity makes us less dependent on our parents. And sometimes we transfer that to God as if maturity made us less dependent upon God. It does not. It makes us more satisfied in the dependence we have in Christ. Increased honesty and accountability. As you make progress, you won't need a reason to be honest. It won't have to be that bad before you say, Dude, I'm struggling. Will you help me out? Not responding to difficulty by sinning. Again, in moments of difficulty, I pray to my God instead of to my lust. And then finally, learning to love and consider the interest of real people. The opposite of sexual sin is not just abstinence. It's caring for real people in the midst of real relationships in the way that God would allow. And finding great joy in that. Uh, Tim Challies, he says, as most adults have learned the hard way, Reality is rarely as wonderful as the fantasy. Many people create expectations for sex that reality cannot meet. 
I dare say that rarely has a teenage boy created a fantasy in which his partner rebuffs his advances because she is too tired. Again, it's sexual sin is rooted in a fantasy. And we keep coming back to that because we're not going to adjust our expectations just once. I know I am being slightly repetitive and overkill on this point, but I am being repetitive and overkill because it's the thing we will have to come back to again and again because our imaginations will just want to take our expectations somewhere they cannot go. And we begin to have that fear that I'm missing out on the great sexual experience. Yet, but what we will find a big part of this step is learning contentment. Gary and Mona Shriver, uh, they say, and this is particularly for areas where adultery is part of the sexual sin, when things get tough at home, and they most certainly will, Satan will be right there to tempt you to run back to your partner. Rejection of these desires is imperative and will be vital for your recovery. Denial that these desires exist will only increase your vulnerability and risk. Be honest. Again, that's where we started. You will never be more pure than you are honest with yourself and with God. Recognize that the source of these desires is based on a lie. No salt water. I don't want it. And the relationship that you'd be running to is based on a fantasy. Focus on the commitment that you've made that is based on truth. Again, I think the point that we're hitting here is Luke 4.13. That even when Satan left Christ, it says he was looking for a more opportune time to return. And as we seek to implement and make these changes, we've got to evaluate the things that we decided in step six that needed to happen. I mean, we're going to look at who, my spouse, a specific person, group, role, how is my sexual sin changing there? When, time of day, energy level, before and after certain events, let me come back and look and make sure I'm ready for that. Where, home, work, certain activities, have I looked through my life to make sure that that my plan is ready to be implemented? What? Entertainment and events. Again, hopefully by this point, as you hear me saying this, things are clicking with other parts of the seminar, and you go, I get it. I see it. That's why that was important. I never would have connected that dot, but yes, thank you. Doug Rosenau, I think he gives us a great point. He says, paint yourself into a corner by telling others of your plans for change. No system is going to change. Change happens in community. And here... One of the things that we have to ask that that I think by this point in the process, uh, and we're not necessarily at that point in the process just because we're at this point in the presentation, but do you truly believe that purity brings joy long-term or merely alleviation of guilt? Because if I think that purity only brings the alleviation of guilt, I will fall back into a form of legalism that just tries to be good because I don't want to feel bad. If on the other hand that I find that purity is truly joy, then I am having change that is rooted in the gospel that says what God offers me is so much better and satisfying. It has sustenance in a way that the alternatives just don't. And then finally, Tim Chester. He says, porn is a sin of imagination. And we need to counter it by enlarging our imaginations. We're not against imagination. The answer to porn is to believe the truth. But it's not just so much an intellectual process. We need to let the truth capture our imaginations. To meditate, ponder, wonder at, sing the truth. 
We need to feel the truth, glory in the truth, delight in the truth. That's why I think our Sunday morning or weekend worship services are so vitally important to overcoming sexual sin. When you come in to the house of worship with a group of people joining voices and you hear the magnificence of God and what He offers and you get to sing that back to Him and your voice, your voice joins with others and you realize, yes, this is what is worth living for. This is what I will give my life to. This is what will create a passion. This makes that look like junk. It's in the celebration in viewing the largeness of God, that this becomes puny. And it's why we must worship our way out of lust and every other sin. And so we implement our changes. We start to, we evaluate the plans that we made in step six. We're looking for every point that we can have to worship and see the greater value of God.